I pay homage to the Buddha. I pay homage to the Dhamma. I pay homage to the Sangha. Well, I see some new faces today. I, I hope that means that I'll say something worth hearing for your benefit. I'm also using my new uh, recorder. And uh, this is my first time giving a public talk with it. I've only me kind of messed around with it at home, trying to learn how it works. So I hope the levels work out and people hear something that sounds not like Darth Vader. I'm afraid it's going to catch every single breath. Uh, so we'll hope for the best. Anyway, uh, the last few weeks, I'd say about three weeks, I've been moving. And uh, if any of you have had to move uh, from one apartment to another or somewhere else, one home to the, to the other, you know how challenging it can be to move. You realize how much stuff you've accumulated. You realize how many things have been hiding in cupboards and drawers and hiding under the bed. And you realize how much of it is... Uh, a complete waste and a bunch of trash. Um, at least I do. I think my wife would disagree. And so uh, over the course of these three weeks, we've been moving stuff back and forth, my wife and I, mostly on our own, because my wife, before me, had moved uh, about 10 times over the course of 10 years. Let's say she was moving every year before me. And uh, all of her friends were completely burnt out on helping her. She, she would kind of wait till the last minute, and then it was a mad dash the two days before every, the lease was up, and everyone was doing backbreaking labor for friendship. So I guess it is magic. Uh, but this time around, they, they all had sworn up and down, we're not helping you move. So I said, okay, sweetheart, here's what we're going to do. You and me, we're going to get this done together, just the two of us, and also we're hiring movers. And we did. This is the first time we've moved where we've used movers. We hired movers. These two nice young men came and lifted all this heavy stuff that I didn't want to lift anymore, like our big fridge and our big desk and everything. And yet, even still, after the movers were gone, there's still just all this stuff. So even after I give this really inspiring talk that has hopefully changed all of your lives in meaningful and unexpected ways, I'm going to have to go back to my apartment and get more stuff out of there before I can hand over the keys. Now, in the midst of all this going on, I was uh, killing time, wasting time, trying to let my body heal on that double-edged sword, which is social media. I'm getting to know which side of that sword is the sharpest, and it's not the good one. But I came across this quote, and uh, I'm going to read it to you so you can hear the quote. Now, the thing is, I don't like this quote. I read it the first time, and my eyes rolled so hard, I almost did a backflip. You know, it's one of those quotes. Uh, but I'll, I'll read it for you. You can kind of let it digest while I explain why I'm not going to tell you who said it. Now, the, the quote was on Facebook, in case you're wondering which social media service I was using. Uh, it goes like this. As soon as you honor the present moment, all unhappiness and struggle dissolve, and life begins to flow with joy and ease. Kind of, but we'll get to that. Now, the reason why I'm not going to tell you who said it is because pretty much anyone on social media right now could have said it or could have shared it. Even me. I think even a few years ago I shared some different version of that and 
and there it rests on my timeline feed. You just got to scroll down far enough. Years and years of stuff have accumulated. But I didn't realize just how much of this kind of stuff was being shared until about a year ago when I started to finally use this thing that you might have heard of called Instagram. Maybe you guys have heard of it. I don't know. I hadn't used it. You know, I, the thing is, even given my uh, arguably millennial status, I never really was one for social media. You know, like I used MySpace in high school. Uh, Facebook came out in 2004, which is around the time I graduated high school and started going to college. So for any silver foxes out there, that probably didn't sound so impressive. But for me, that means Facebook was a thing that existed right as I was coming into adulthood. And I took one look at it and said, isn't this just MySpace? And ignored it for a long time. And then eventually started using it. But then I didn't get on anything else. I never used Twitter. I didn't use Instagram until only recently. And I got on there because I was hoping, like, okay, cool. Here's this place where I can share some stuff with my friends. Hopefully not too many pictures of my dinner. Because that seems to be a thing that people do on Instagram. But I can share, share some stuff with friends and maybe also share some stuff about Suburban Dharma, my, par, my podcast, and then maybe just see what other Buddhists are up to. And everything was going fine until I decided, hey, you know what? I've been meaning to like maybe start practicing yoga, learn a few things about it. I'm going to start following some of these people. And, and uh, I kept following people and then I got suggestions to follow others and suggestions to follow others. And before I knew it, I was following about 300 or so people that I thought were just like sharing yoga for the sake of yoga. And then that's how I stumbled upon what are now known as influencers. These are people who use social media to basically influence you to use a certain product or to eat a certain thing. And so these people who I thought were gonna teach me yoga, instead were showing me what mat they were using and what nice pants they were using and what bowls of various things they were eating. You know, it's an acai bowl. Look, it's a vitality bowl. Man, that's a fruit cup, but that's besides the point. But all this stuff was going on, and I realized that instead of actually learning anything about yoga or learning anything about Buddhism, for that matter, because I started following some of those pages too, what I was learning really is that I was volunteering to watch commercials. And that's what a lot of it was. It was kind of all this fast stuff kind of thrown at you. And now that Instagram has what they call their, like, their stories, it's kind of incessant. I mean, if you're following 300 people, that's 300 stories. I know some people on there following thousands of people. I mean, you just got to sit there all day and, and click and click and click, and it's all showing you stuff that maybe you should buy. And amidst some of those things, they'll often share little quotes like that. And they're good quotes, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying... They're bad. I think, though, that sometimes they're, in this case, a, a bit misleading. You know, as soon as you honor the present moment, all your problems are gone. Well, we got to unpack what that means. Like, what does it even mean to honor the present moment? Now, in truth, I think that Buddhism is entirely about honoring the present moment. I, I know its usefulness. I would say that the entire eightfold path of Buddhism is precisely about honoring the present moment. The thing is, though, that that is a continual process. That when we talk about that big buzzword, mindfulness, and that alone is very tricky because mindfulness now is being used to sell, definitely sell, a lot of different things. You know, it's used to sell 
books on marketing, like, you know, use mindfulness to, to sell stuff and make more money. Use mindfulness to save more money. Use mindfulness to be better at dates and so on, you know, like, be, like, I, I even found this one book that was on communication styles, Communicate Like a Buddhist. I actually opened it up, and I didn't see anything really resembling Buddhism. It just seemed like common sense communication stuff. So I guess maybe Buddhists just communicate like everyone else. I don't know. Uh, but there's, there are these things out there that are, are telling us how easy it is to follow the path and how easy it is to tap into the present moment. And once you do, pretty much everything's figured out. And if it were that easy... We'd live in a world of arahants. We'd live in a world of enlightened beings. But we don't. So maybe it's not that easy. There is something powerful about honoring the present moment. And I, I think by this we mean to really be in the present moment. To not be thinking about the past. To not have all these worries projected about the future. To not be fantasizing. To be, but to be here in the body and in the mind. Really be in this moment. That's a wonderful thing. But the problem is, sometimes this moment sucks. I mean, I certainly had moments like that while moving, lifting heavy boxes, carrying all these things, dumping stuff into the dumpster, hoping my wife didn't catch me, you know, getting rid of things. All of that's going on, and that's my present moment. Even more so, like, or rather even more, uh, let's say, troublesome or problematic is that the last couple months I've been uh, suffering from what some people call uh, tinnitus or tinnitus, however you want to pronounce it. I've heard both ways. And that's this ringing in the, in the ears. So for some people, it's both ears. For some people, it's one ear. For me, it's, it's my left. And the last couple months, I think it's been maybe a mixture of stress, my jaw's a little out of whack, things like that going on. But I've had this, this sound that for a while there was getting really, really bad. It's starting to subside now. I think it's starting to go away. But even now, it sounds like, like in the distance, in the very faint distance, there's a dentist drill going to work. That's kind of what it sounds like. And so that means that when I sit down to meditate, that's my present experience. That's my moment right then and there. That's the moment I'm honoring by being there with it. And now I'm noticing that when I'm there in that present moment, mm, it's not like all my problems are dissolving away. There they are. That's the moment. And we face those moments all the time in, in our lives. You know, we talk in Buddhism about uh, our sense experiences where the mind is one of those senses. And they have different feelings or tones. Pleasant, neutral, and unpleasant. And, you know, we kind of ignore the neutral stuff most of the time. We like the pleasant stuff, we want it to last, but really, when we sit down to meditate, it's those, it's those negative moments that really, really shine and pop out. You know, when you sit to meditate, you, know, you start getting the pain in the knees and the ankles, you get pain in the lower back. Lower back is where I used to have it for a long time, because I had a really bad posture. And you get all these little sensations, the foot starts falling asleep, you know, all these things are happening. If you were like me, when I started meditating, I was very young and I was enthusiastic and I was practicing breath meditation, so I'd be... because <laughs> I knew I had to be really focused on the breath, so I would start sweating from concentration, like, I mean, am I doing it right? You know, I was really struggling, and there it all is, my present moment experience. Look as all my troubles melt away. 
And so I think what, I, what I'm getting at here with this quote about, you know, the moment you tap into the present moment, all your stuff is solved, is that that's, I think, because of, of partly because of social media, this view that we have, that everything is, is instantaneous. Everything happens right away. And when people are trying to sell something, that's precisely when they tell you how quick it is, especially if you do it their way. And if you sign up for their email list, they will send you a free ebook that will tell you all about it and also the price tag at the bottom. But the truth is, the path that we walk, this Buddhist path, the Eightfold Path, is a gradual one. It's built up over time, over practice, over the course of our lives. And that moment that we're honoring, this present moment that is always happening, is something that we have to re-honor again and again. It's something that we have to tap into again and again. And we have to be, become open to whatever it is that's happening right there. Even if it's this really bad buzzing and, and whirring sound in your ear, even if it's your foot falling asleep. And then in the course of your life, when you're not meditating, whatever comes up, that's what's happening. And you have to be present for that. But it's this thing that we keep doing. And, and hopefully, each time we do it, we do it a little better. We have a little more patience, a little more understanding, a little more love. But then every once in a while, some days we won't. We'll find ourselves impatient. We'll find ourselves a little less loving. We'll find ourselves maybe angry or annoyed. And that's the present moment too. The work of meditation is to help us see those moments, understand those moments, to become very intimate with them, to see them for what they are, and to look into what we call the... Uh, um, there's three of them. I'm trying to remember which what they are. Uh, the three marks of existence. That's what they are. Uh, we, we see into impermanence. We see into unsatisfactoriness. We see into non-self. And so to take my, my tinnitus as an example, the impermanence is there. When I'm sitting in meditation, it becomes one of the senses, one of the sensations that I'm aware of. And it's not constant. It fluctuates. Sometimes it's gone entirely. Sometimes it's very loud. Sometimes it's very faint. It, it actually fluctuates like, like when you're uh, like tuning a radio or uh, back when you, know, you would talk on a, on, a, on a payphone and you'd hear some of that kind of tinny metallic stuff kind of going on in the background. It's something that you can approach with a kind of interest, an investigation, something that you see shift and move. And, oh, it's not always the same. Now, unsatisfactoriness. Ooh, man, don't we see that? The thing is, unsatisfactoriness even exists in the moments when the tinnitus is gone. Because in there is this worry, this fear, and also this knowing that it's going to come back. And so far over the last couple months, it has come back when it's been gone. I've even gotten really creative, you know, social media. If you go on YouTube, there are little videos of... Uh, you know, uh, sounds for people with tinnitus to help treat it. It helps distract you, your brain. It, it kind of masks the sound. And so it ends up sounding like uh, two robots getting into a fight. So like if R2-D2 got in a fight with his cousin, that's kind of what it sounds like. But it ends up neutralizing that tinnitus, and you don't hear it for a while. And Ah, oh, the relief. And then the moment you hit pause or stop, well, there it is again. So... Even in that moment when you're not feeling it, there's still that, that underlying dissatisfaction and dis-ease 
you know, what we call dukkha, even in, those, in that moment. Non-self, we see in the, very, in the very sense of it that it's not something that I have any control over, this noise that I'm hearing in my ear. It's just something that is a part of my experience, and then at some point it will not be a part of my experience. Either the way it seems to be lessening over time, it'll go away, or it'll be something that continues and persists for the rest of my life until I die. Well, then it's over. Don't have to worry about that sound anymore. But there it is. Something that is out of our control. And a lot of life is out of our control. And a lot of life seems like something that is a part of us and is not a part of us. Getting back to social media. Ooh, it's a good thing social media is not us. If I was my timeline, ooh, I'd be pretty embarrassed by what I was posting. Maybe thir- 2013 and, and, and further back in time. Ooh, I was very political around that time, so a lot of, a lot of really dumb stuff on there. I'm still political now, by the way. I'm just smart enough to not say much about it, you know? There's something to be said about quiet action. We gotta always have to put everything up on blast on social media and, you know, it's what, what they're beginning to call virtue signaling, I think. Do good things, maybe you don't have to share it every time you do it on Facebook. So, so this quote, you know, like, let's, let's look at it a bit more. I've already t- touched on the uh, honoring the present. So all unhappiness and struggle dissolve, and life begins to flow with joy and ease. So begins to flow with joy and ease. That is something that, that does happen with, with meditation and, and Buddhist practice over time. You, know, you, you do find that, that things do become easier, but not because the things from outside have become easier, or even because the things happening in the body have become easier but because you grow in patience. I'm actually glad that this tinnitus thing is happening now in my practice and not when I first started meditating. Because if I was dealing with something like this when I first started, I probably would have stopped because it is that intrusive. There were times, especially in the beginning, where it would get so loud that I would become very disoriented and couldn't pay attention in a conversation. And, uh, you know, my, I would even get a, a little lightheaded for a little bit just because of, of the distraction of the sound. And then it's fading now, so here I am hopefully making sense and also able to hear others when they, when they talk to me. Listening, who knows, hearing maybe. But there it is, you know. And, and if it had happened, it happened at the beginning when I didn't have the, the patience and the endurance to just go along with that present moment experience, I might have stopped. And so that is something that I've learned over time, that in the course of following the Eightfold Path, and in the course of not only meditating, but also trying to live skillfully, I've seen how much of the the path is really about patience and also persistence, you know, what we call a skillful or right effort. Because, you know, in the past, I used to rely on motivation to get me to not only practice, but also to meditate. And the thing is, motivation is very fleeting. There are many times when you wake up in the morning and you kind of just want to roll over and go back to sleep. And getting up and sitting on a cushion and, and sitting there with your eyes closed for about half an hour doesn't really seem appealing and might actually just lead to more sleep anyway. You know, After all this moving, I'm pretty tired. I was sitting here hoping I didn't end up snoring or something, you know? 
And that happens too, that kind of exhaustion. But determination, you know, discipline, discipline is a good thing to have in the practice because when we come to that present moment, rather than just be this thing that as soon as we're tapped into it, everything's figured out, is often going to be something unpleasant, something that we don't want to deal with, something that we don't want to be with. And we can honor that by being with it, but it's something that, can, that continues over the course of our life, this gradual path we're working on, that we're walking on, that over time it just gets a little and a little better. Even in the course of moving. Now, I might gripe and complain here mostly because it you know, makes for good radio, I guess, but uh, it also is true to my feelings. But how I've dealt with it in the past, ooh, one of the things that, that made me uh, intrigued by meditation and by Buddhist practice was my own issues with anger. When I was very, very young and in, uh, you know, like when I was around 10 and then into my early teens, I, I was a very angry person. I would throw things across the room. I would punch walls and stuff to like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I was proving exactly, but I was just angry and lashing out at things. I would, I would yell. And I was, I, I was known at my school as like the angry guy. And even over the course of my life, throughout my teens and early 20s, I was still pretty angry about a lot of things. And it would manifest in different ways. And even in moving, where I'd be shouting at people like, no, not that, this thing, get it out, and doing all this stuff, and, and kind of huffing and puffing all over the place, and picking up a box, and throwing it down harder than I needed to, and, and all of that. And, you know, I've, I've finally gotten to a point where I can be angry and not have to express it. But that's not something that happened the moment I tapped into the present. It happened over the course of several years of meditative practice where I got to see again and again how my anger manifests, how it comes up into the body, how it comes up into the mind, how everything gets tense and and how my whole body gets agitated and and I can stop in that and be there and not let it spill out and affect others. To not let it get into my life and my interactions. To not let it seep into the other objects around me and, and cause violence. I'm sure that for each and every one of you who, who practices meditation, that there's probably something that made you interested in it. Perhaps there was something about yourself that you wanted to change. And the thing is, it, meditation will very likely do that. You know, a lot of studies have come out recently about the benefits of meditation and what it can do and also what it can't do. The thing is, though, with, with at least my, my own experience, what made those things happen was when I stopped trying to make those specific things happen. I began to meditate, partially just to meditate, but also keeping the, the goal in mind. You know, a lot of quotes like that, you know, they, they dance around the subject. Others ignore it entire, entirely, but the goal of meditation, the goal of the Eightfold Path, is to lead towards liberation. It's to lead towards Nibbana, you know, the sublime bliss, the supreme bliss. That's the goal. And if, at least with me, if you keep that goal in mind, the other stuff kind of works itself out. A lot of people I've noticed lately are caught up in the, what we might call the pleasant side effects of meditation. Rather than meditating for Nibbana, they're meditating to treat their anxiety or treat their depression or treat their anger. And 
in all fairness, I started with that. But then it starts becoming something else. When, when you really become uh, dedicated to the path, you start realizing that, yes, those things will happen, but they'll happen in due course. That non-self aspect of it, you realize that things like that, it's, it's almost alchemical. In fact, we might, might as well say it's alchemical. In my life, meditation and, and the Buddhist path, the Eightfold Path in Buddhism, is the, is the most magical, transformative thing I have found in the world. The thing that has truly made a difference in, in my life. The things that I wanted to transform. And, you know, I tried all sorts of stuff. I, and, you know, when I was younger, I was also into, like, magic and witchcraft and stuff. So I'd, like, light candles and incense and pray and make little sachets of herbs and stuff. And, you know, kind of hit or miss. Some might argue whether or not this stuff really worked or anything. But here's this thing that does work. But at this point in my life, it works precisely because I don't try to make it work. I just do the work of following the Eightfold Path, of, of, of living my life with skillful thought, skillful speech, skillful action, and to also meditate with right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. And hopefully that culminates in right understanding, of culminating in wisdom. Hopefully I'm gaining a little bit of that. Don't know. A little pinch of salt seasoning on top. But it's not instantaneous. And so when we look for instantaneous stuff on Instagram, that's what we find. These things that say, the moment you start practicing the thing I'm teaching you to do, all your stuff will be fixed. I don't know any Buddhist teacher worth their salt that would actually say anything like that. Keep practicing. Well, when I was meditating and this thing came up, all right, cool, keep practicing. No, but like I saw like lights and stuff. All right, cool, keep practicing. You know, today I was less angry. Great. Keep practicing. They come back the next day. Ah, oh, I was angry again. Okay, keep practicing. And really, that's the only thing that I or anyone else, I think, can, can offer up is that there is this work to be done, this goal at the end that's very hard won. But there it is. And I, I can promise you that if you do so diligently, if you do it with deter determination and discipline, you'll see the changes. And Maybe by the time you see them, you really won't care so much that you're seeing them. And that's also a mark of progress. So yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think there we go. Some, some food for thought this Sunday. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Priyat. Um, 